I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, thanks for coming back again. This week we're going to be having another episode with Lewis Martins in Portugal about fiberglassing. Before we get to that, I want to thank Sailrite for being a sponsor of this podcast. And also, I want to point out that I have set up a Patreon account and there will be a link at the website if you decide you want to help support the podcast through Patreon. I set it up today, in today's uh, the 6th of February, and I just emailed a few of my friends, and I said I've set up the Patreon account, and the very first Patreon to support me was Jack Andrews. Jack, thanks a lot. You're the number one guy. You're the one that supported me first, and you're the one that suggested that I put up a Patreon site. So I'm going to have a link at the webpage, but in case you can't get to the webpage, if you want to type it in, if you want to remember it, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash medsailor, M-E-D-S-A-I-L-O-R, all one word. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash medsailor, that's my Patreon page, and if you choose to support me, I would really appreciate it. There's some fairly good rewards I've set up. There's one special un- <laughs> unreleased podcast that I had decided not to share because it contains some very valuable information on, on buying a boat. And if, you, if too many people took advantage of this secret, uh, it would no longer be valuable. So I decided to hold that back because I may take advantage of this information myself. And I'm limited the number of Patreons that that get that reward uh, to a maximum of 1,000. And then I have other rewards at the Patreon site. Take a look at them. I have $1 per month, $3 per month, $5 per month, $10 per month, $20 per month, $100 per month, and two, only two, because this one would be where I would actually take you sailing with me is $1,000 per month. And I'm not sure anybody will take advantage of that. If they do, <laughs> I will be really, really happy. So anyway, consider supporting me on Patreon. Again, that is patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash medsailor, M-E-D-S-A-I-L-O-R. All right. I want to thank Sailrite for supporting this podcast by being a sponsor, and I'm going to tell you about them right now. I want to thank my sponsor, Sailrite, for sponsoring this podcast. Sailrite is a company that's been in business since 1969, and I remember actually way back, pretty close to that time period, getting a copy of one of their first catalogs. It's probably a collector's item at this point in time, but I've lost it. It's long gone. And the reason I was looking into Sailrite is I wanted to explore the possibility of making my own sails, and they put together kits for sail makers, for amateur sail makers like myself. Now, I never went down that path. I decided that that was a bigger project that I wanted to take on 
because I didn't have the tools to really do the job or the, the space to really do the job. But the company has built itself up and expanded. They offer a lot of products in addition to just sail-making projects. They have canvas-making projects, bimini tops, upholstery fabrics. They have a lot of supplies that if you want to take on some heavy-duty sewing projects, it's the company to go to. In addition to that, they have some extremely good industrial and portable sewing machines. The one I'm looking at getting is the LSZ-1, which is their flagship walking foot straight stitch and zigzag stitch machine. I'm looking forward to getting that and taking on some canvas projects myself. In addition to their catalog, you've got to check out their YouTube videos. I'm a subscriber of their YouTube videos, and whenever a new YouTube video comes out, I'm watching it all the time. They have hundreds, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of YouTube videos teaching you to do pretty much anything you want to do in upholstery or canvas. And if they don't have it, I bet if you write them a letter and say, hey, teach me how to do this, they'll put that in their production schedule and put together a YouTube video on it. I'm not making a promise, but they seem to be putting out YouTube videos on pretty much any project you can imagine on your boat or on upholstery or in canvas making. So I'm proud to have them as a sponsor. It's a company I believe in. It's a company I support and a company I recommend you check out yourself. So check out their website. It's www.sailrite.com. All right, now let's get on with my interview with Lewis Martins in Portugal. I'm on Skype with Lewis Martins. Lewis, last time we talked, we talked about small repairs, tools, large repairs. And what are you going to tell us and teach us today? Well, actually, uh, last time we talked about small holes, big holes, and medium-sized holes. And uh, by medium, large holes, I mean something like uh, inch and a half to inch through a hole that you are going to cover, uh, maybe re relocating in your hole. Uh, today, we are going to talk about big repairs. And by big repairs, I mean like you crashed and you opened like a one foot by one foot hole in your boat, uh, that kind of repairs. All right. Now, the only, the only information I've ever read about on this, and I don't know if you've ever read the book by Hal Roth, uh, where he sailed around uh, Cape Horn, and he did get shipwrecked on one of the little islands there, and he had to be towed in, and, and they did repair a big hole in his boat at a... Uh, at a, at a shipyard, and to make a pattern for it, they went to the other side of his boat to make a pattern and then reverse that for the side that needed the repairs. So I'm going to see how you teach us how to do this. So Well, that is one cool trick, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a real trick to do it, too. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was going to say, just take a... Take a Take a mold, maybe use a thin piece of um, wood and bend it to the shape and then uh, re replicate that uh, bend on the other side. Or most probably, if the, well, if the repair is not that large, 
you don't need it because uh, you just can put a ruler, a flexible ruler, uh, on your hull and uh, press on both hands so that it uh, conforms to the hull shape and then drag it downwards and you will see if uh, you are there or not. Uh, that's usually what you do when, when you use a, a longboard, for instance, to sand. Uh, that's what I'm doing right now in my boat. I'm, I'm uh, fairing the entire top sides that were very uneven. And uh, the, the tool you use is a, a long, uh, very long sanding block, basically, uh, so that semi-flexible, so that when you sand, uh, it conforms to the shape of the hole. It sends the high spots, and uh, if you if you don't see scratch patterns, you are not sanding the low spots, and you may have to fill those with with filler. Okay, well, let's start at the okay. beginning on this because we've already advanced to, yeah. to where we're finishing <laughs> it. Up. We are already finishing the repair. <laughs> So so uh, okay. so let's go ahead and start at the uh, so we're talking yeah. about a more than a couple Larger of repairs. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. But but first I would like to I would like to address some other repairs. Okay, that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, because last time we spent we we mentioned uh, repairing the tabbing of the bulkheads, and I don't remember if you asked me what's tabbing and i don't remember if i explained that or not well let's just go over it again if if, if we didn't because sometimes i can't okay. remember i don't think we did i don't think we did okay so tabbing what is tabbing when you have your you have your hole and your deck and you have bulkheads dividing spaces like walls in a, in a house and these uh, Usually, plywood bulkheads. I say usually because uh, in the high hand boat, these may be uh, foam cord and uh, with laminates, uh, either carbon fiber or uh, fiberglass on both sides uh, with a foam core. And we'll get to foam cores a little bit later today. Okay. Uh, okay. So usually plywood. And the plywood has to be bonded both to the hull and to the deck, correct? Right. And But this bonding, usually with epoxy, a thickened epoxy, uh, is not enough. You can't just spread some thickened epoxy around the hull and the deck, put the plywood bulkhead there, and hope that it stays there for long when you are sailing the boat and the hull is flexing and all that. So what you need to do, besides putting some thickened epoxy to bond the uh, bulkhead to the deck and the hull, you need to put uh, L-shaped pieces of fiberglass to connect the deck and the hull, uh, the deck and the bulkhead, and the hull and the bulkhead. Okay, and usually several layers of heavy fiberglass. Uh, and uh, like three, four inches either side uh, to really hold that thing to get, uh, there, okay? Usually this is the procedure. Uh, and usually what happens, especially in old boats, 
with the movement of the hull and uh, everything getting soaked and humidity and all that, if the plywood doesn't rot, sometimes it does, and it's and besides replacing the tabbing, you need to replace the plywood bulkhead. But if the plywood is okay and is the the bonding between the plywood and that L-shaped piece of fiberglass, in time, that may delaminate. I've seen that in a few boats uh, where it did delaminate. And basically, when you eat, uh, when you tap the, the bulkhead hard enough with your, your, with your fist, you will feel that it's loose. It's not bonded to the hull and to the deck and everything. It's, it's, it comes loose, okay? Which is bad because it affects the integrity of the, of the hull. Because the hull is only uh, strong when it has the bulkheads properly connected to the, to the hull and the deck. All right, okay. so let, let me back up a little bit. So when I, when I installed the bulkheads in my boat, yes. uh, I had to re reinstall several of them. The, uh, the, the plans were that you, you didn't put the plywood right to the hull. We had a spacer of about an inch or inch and a half of foam, yes. which was tapered at like a 45 degree away uh -huh. from the plywood and that we fiberglassed from the plywood, oh, probably four inches on the plywood, and then about four inches, and then expanding that out farther onto the hull. And, yes. and then I would do that with a full strip all the way along there, three or four strips as I built that up when I attached those bulkheads. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and you're saying they, you've seen those come apart then? Yes, I have. Yes, okay. uh, on on my friend's Contessa Twenty Six, uh, which is a rather small boat, uh, although it's an ocean-going boat, uh, but the the hull is very thin. It's like the hull in some places it's five millimeters, so less than uh, a quarter of an inch, uh, so it flexes a lot, and uh, it's forty years old now. And uh, the the tabbing was just delaminating both from the hull and from the bulkheads. He removed big chunks of fiberglass uh, with a chisel and with an angle grinder as well. Sounds, which was very that nasty. sounds like a really itchy, miserable job and something you should pay somebody else to do. <laughs> yes, especially if you want to do it without removing the cabinets. Wow. <laughs> Yes, and the Contessa 26 is very small, so cabinets are very small. <laughs> it, it's difficult already to fit the angle grinder inside the cabinet, let alone your hands, your arms, and work around. It was, it was a pain. He really suffered. My friend really, really suffered. <laughs> it does not sound fun. I'm itching just no. thinking about it. Yeah. Okay, but like you were saying, there are some schools of thought, like in everything about boat building. Uh, some schools of thought say that the bulkheads shouldn't be directly bonded to the hull in the deck. There should be uh, a spacer made of foam, and you will cut this spacer like uh, a roof shape. Uh, so that it 
you you already gain uh, the 25 degree angle for the fiberglass to uh, go from the bulkhead to the hull and to the deck. The reason for this, and I understand, and I, I, I like this idea, is that you are not creating high stress points on the hull uh, because uh, you don't have the, the bulkhead directly connected to the, to the, to the hull with thickened epoxy. Because, and with, when thickened epoxy cures, it's hard as rock. Okay, so you're not creating stress, po stress points very uh, along a continuous line. The tabbing will spread that those uh, stresses, those forces, uh, on a much larger area. Uh, but on some other boats, I have seen, and some people are repairing, and in some books, I have seen it uh, bonded with thickened epoxy. Okay. Now, when you're saying tabbing, I'm assuming you're looking at like one, two, three-inch wide pieces that are just tabbed along the bulkhead. Where with yes. mine, I did a full width along i mean a full width of tape along the bulkhead uh, i mean hull. one two three layers uh and a full you can you, you can and you you don't have to you can put a full strip like a, a piece like a, a 10 feet long and uh, six feet wide and you can uh, put it connecting the the bulkhead and the hole and you will have a hard time sometimes because when the when the when the when you have a, a high curvature on the hull, uh, the, yeah. the fiberglass won't. It's going to pucker won't. on you. Yeah, you're going to have to cut yes, slots yes, in it to make it yes, lay flat, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. But uh, so you're so, saying with tabbing, um, you can just do little tabs all the way down, and then would you yes, eventually fill it all the way pieces. in with tabs? Then is that what you would do to to uh, connect the bulkhead? So, so would, I didn't get your, your so, question. Sorry. So if you're doing tabs, I'm imagining if I'm looking at the top of the bulkhead, a, a tab of of uh, tape, let's say three inches mm -hmm. wide, that goes from the bulkhead onto the hull, and then maybe yes. another two inches below that, another ta a tab going across, and so forth until you're all the way around the the bulkhead. Yes. Then would you yes. go back in and fill the spaces that have not been filled in with other tabs? Is that what you're? you're thinking yes usually you, you will want to have uh like three four layers of depending also depending on the thickness of the glass that you are using you will want to have like uh three four five six millimeter of uh fiberglass depending on the hull on the size of the hull uh on the size of your boat okay, uh, okay. so you should you should look uh what was already there, if you are doing a repair, uh, try to figure out how many millimeters of fiberglass they used and replicate that. Okay. And remember, in the last episode, we mentioned that if you use the metric system for each 100 grams per square meter uh, of fiberglass, you will gain 0.1 millimeter. Okay, so if you are using, for example, 500 grams um, fiberglass with two layers, you will you will have one millimeter. Okay. 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 The the one one very good. Remember, in the first episode, we mentioned several types of fiberglass. Like, right, uh, Kevlar mat. and oh yeah, Ke no, no, no. Uh, you're, you're talking in, fiberglass, woven roving fiberglass. mat and cloth. So, yeah, mat. Uh, 
grooving, uh, unidirectionals, right. uh, bidirectionals, etc. Mm -hmm. So one very good uh, type of fiberglass uh, to use uh, for tabbing is uh, bidirectional fiberglass, mm, okay. where you where you have the strands uh, instead of being uh, woven. They are just laid on top of another. Uh, one one layer uh, goes at 45 degrees. The other layer goes at minus 45 degrees. Okay. So the reason for this is that uh, non-woven products will bend easier than woven products because there is less tension in the in the cloth. Okay, mm -hmm. and also the other idea is that if you have uh, double bias, it's the, the when you have forty-five minus forty-five. When you have double bias glass, you place the glass on the on the bulkhead and the hull so that uh, the axis will eat the the junction between the hull and the deck. So if you think about this, if you bend those axes 90 degrees, the angle of each strand is not 90 degrees. It's much wider. Okay. Uh-huh. Can you visualize that? I think so. So, yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. So the idea is that you are not bending the strands at 90 degrees. You are bending it at a much wider angle, which is better for the strength of the strands once the laminate cures. I see, because they can bend as opposed to break and be brittle the other way then. Yes. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. So when we mention several types of fiberglass, uh, meaning several presentations of the same product, uh, because fiberglass is fiberglass, although there is E-glass and S-glass, I mentioned that in the first episode. Mm -hmm. uh, each uh, unique presentation of the product is more suitable for uh, specific repairs. Okay. This is one example where double bias is very useful. Although uh, some people do it with woven roving, although it's much more difficult to bend woven roving at 90 degrees, uh, some people will do it with matte, uh, not my favorite because it's not strong uh, enough. Uh, you, for the tabbing, you really need some strong fibers going from continuously from the hull to the bulkhead. Uh, but you may want to have uh, like a sandwich construction where you put one layer of uh, double bias one layer of mat, one layer of double bias, another layer of mat, and so on until you reach the desired thickness. Okay. Now let me ask you a question, and um, probably I know the answer, but I want to double check on it. Let's say you've got a layer of uh, glass with epoxy down. Is yes. it is it okay to put another layer of glass with polyester resin over the top of that, or do you need to stick with one or the other? If it's uncured, uh, no, it's a no-no. Okay, if it's uncured, you stick with the same resin. 
all okay. the way until it cures. However, uh, if you're bonding uh, polyester on top of polyester, it's okay to do it. If you are bonding epoxy on top of polyester, it's also okay. If you are bonding polyester on top of epoxy, although it will bond, uh, it will it won't last very long. It's, okay. Uh, no, no. Okay. So once you do a repair with epoxy, uh, the next layer will be epoxy resin. All right. Okay. Okay. Although this is very controversial. <laughs> okay, so to, other people can do their own research and come to their own conclusions then. Yes, this is the general rule of thought. Uh, you put epoxy on top of polyester, not the other way around. You can put polyester on top of polyester. Okay, This is the, the, the usual rule. Although there are some uh, controversial uh, ideas about this, and uh, there is one cool video um, where, uh, uh, because, because the idea is that the bond between polyester on top of epoxy is not very good. Hold on a second. Okay. We were saying, uh, don't put uh, polyester on top of epoxy. Okay. Bottom line, don't put polyester on top of epoxy. Epoxy yes. on top of polyester is okay. But not it's the other okay. Way. okay. Actually, actually, I did a, I did an experiment a few days ago because my friend who owns the Contessa Twenty Six, uh, he says, uh, well, if my boat was made with polyester resin, uh, why shouldn't I do all the repairs with polyester resin? And I told him exactly what I told you a few weeks ago: uh, the bonding. Uh, strength of epoxy it's much much stronger uh, than the bonding of polyester resin so it's okay to build uh, a full boat full laminate in one go using polyester uh, resin but if you are then bonding polyester resin on top of a cured polyester resin not so good Okay. Uh, because the, the bonding is not that great. So we did an experiment. Uh, we got two pieces of uh, fiberglass. And we got and, and, and I had this piece of my boat that I cut off, uh, which is a very old laminate of polyester resin. Uh, and we, grind, we grinded uh, some uh, of the gel coat. And we bonded um, the polyester the fiberglass two pieces of fiberglass with uh, one with epoxy resin, the other with polyester resin. We allowed it to cure for several days and then we did a pull test where, well, actually I asked my friend to do it because he was very skeptical about that. And I asked him, well, now pull each uh, at a time with, with the same hand and uh, see uh, if you notice any difference. And he ripped the the piece of polyester resin very easily and when he tried to rip the piece of uh, fiberglass uh, some of the fiberglass uh, the, actually the, the fiberglass ripped and uh, some uh, was in his hand 
Sam was still uh, bonded to the to the piece of uh, fiberglass from my ho- from my boat, which shows that the bonding between the resin was much stronger. It was the the small uh, laminate of fiberglass that uh, gave away, not the resin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was a very cool experiment. Sounds like you're having a lot of fun with fiberglass and epoxy resin. <laughs> you have way too much time. <laughs> it was a very quick experiment. <laughs> okay. So let's go on. Uh, let's talk now about uh, sandwich constructions and repairing sandwich constructions. And by sandwich constructions, I mean... Uh, any material, usually uh, foam, PVC foam, uh, balsa, or plywood, although there are a few other uh, materials used as well, but usually these three you will find commonly on boats. Uh, and this is uh, sandwiched between layers of fiberglass on both sides, okay, mm-hmm. creating a very, very strong structure. You may think that 10 millimeters of fiberglass is very strong, but if you put like two millimeters of fiberglass, six millimeters of foam and two millimeters of fiberglass, which is one centimeter as well, it may be as strong for the uh, right usage. Okay, and it will be much, much lighter. Right. Okay. That's that's the, the main advantage. And that is the reason many uh, decks on boats are built with balsa core or plywood core. Okay. Uh, sometimes foam as well. And uh, sometimes honeycomb structures as well, like Nomex. Uh, which is a very advanced, uh, a very high-tech uh, core material. Yeah. And actually, just thought of, you know what Nomex is? No, what is it? Hmm. It is an aramid, uh, which is in the same family uh, of the Kevlar, the same time, type of product. Hmm. Okay. And uh, Nomex, uh, they build these honeycomb structures, uh, which they look like the honeycombs that the bees put the honey on. And they, they can make these honeycomb structures very thin, like two, three, four, five, six millimeters thick, uh, so that you have a very thin core, and the core is basically air and the, the, and the, the, the honeycomb structure in between. Uh, so this is... This gets so strong, and this is one example. Uh, the other day I saw the boom of a 52-foot racing boat, uh, almost the size of a Volvo Ocean race boat, uh, and the boom was very, very long and massive. And I, th- I asked the guy, what's the weight of that thing? And he said, well, I don't know, but I can lift it by myself. And it put both <laughs> both <laughs> arms beneath and lifted it. Wow. Seriously, wow. <laughs> yes, it was like 
more than five meters long uh, and like one foot, uh, nearly one foot in diameter. Uh, it was really impressive. And I, and I asked him, what, what's it made of? And he said, well, it's, uh, it's thick, six millimeters thick, the wall. Uh, it's four millimeters of Nomex in the core and then one millimeter on each side of carbon fiber. And it's the boom of a 52 feet racing boat. Huh. So it's, it, 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 it is very, very strong, very strong. All right. Now, I remember a long time ago, there was a company that was called Hexel, and it made skis, Hexel skis. And it was uh, the same sort of thing. It had a honeycomb core inside the skis to give it the stiffness that you wanted in skis. But I've yes. never heard of Nomex before. In fact, while we're talking, I'm... I'm uh, Googling Nomex and... Uh, yeah, Google looking. Nomex on a comb. And it's, it used, says... it's used in aircrafts, uh, aircraft construction and uh, very high-tech stuff. I was going to look for a picture of it, but I, I see it's also said see Aramid as well when I'm looking at that. Yes, it's an Aramid. Yes, it's an Aramid. So is it a product of a company called Aramid then? Or is it just a type of uh, Aramid then? The aramid. There are several types of aramid. Kevlar is is one type of aramid, and uh, it's Kevlar. It's the brand name. Uh, I think Nomex is the, the the brand name as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nomex is a registered trademark for a flame resistant meta aramid developed by Dupont. Okay. So it's a Dupont yes. product. Okay. Yes. They they also make Kevlar and uh, many other things. <laughs> right. <laughs> They are very, very good at what they do. Yes. Okay, so uh, cord materials um, have a bad reputation. You probably heard that if people see that they are looking at the uh, potentially buying a boat with a cord deck, they run away. And uh, the, the reason for this, uh, for this bad reputation is that people sometimes don't understand what they are dealing with. Uh, for example, if you are drilling some holes in your deck and your deck is cord, uh, you can't just drill some holes and place some hardware uh, with some bolts and with some sealant and leave it alone because the sealant will eventually uh, break uh, and water will uh, seep through and the, the core will start soaking that water and it will eventually rot and that's why people run away from core decks and the repairs are very expensive and very time consuming because you have to open big holes in your deck uh, remove all the damaged and rotten core replace the core and put some fiberglass on top of that and refinish it so it's it's a very 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 time consuming and expensive repair usually and sometimes you have a hole that's leaking and if you let it go for a few years the whole deck will be rotten because water will just seep through the core and uh, will rot everything so that is one one very serious problem but the solution is very simple. What's the solution? 
Well, <laughs> the solution is very simple. When you drill the hole to uh, to put the fastener through, drill drill the hole and then remove the core around uh, that hole, like with a, uh, an Allen wrench. A Dremel tool will work. Uh, an Allen wrenched wrench on a on a drill will sometimes work as well if your core is not plywood. Uh, if it's balsa, it's, it will be very soft. If it's foam, it will be soft. Remove the core around the hole, like half an inch, one inch maybe, uh, and remove all the core. And then refill that void between the two laminates with thickened epoxy. And if necessary, read re-drill again through the same hole uh, and you will have a hole in your deck that is perfectly uh, waterproof. Hmm. Okay. I've okay. never, I never it, did that with my boat, so it's something I always worry about and I put on a lot of 5200 around them hoping that I wouldn't have that problem. And knock on wood, so far I haven't seen any bulges in my deck, but it's one of those things I worry about. So that's... Uh, yeah. Your deck is cord. It's uh, yeah, it's a plywood core. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's an issue. It, it, everyone should do that uh, because if you do that, uh, if even if if water leaks through the hole, it will leak through the hole inside the boat, not through the hole and to the core. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But many people don't know this. Many people don't understand this. Many people don't want to have the extra effort of filling that, removing the core around the hole, filling that space, redrilling. So instead of taking, a, like putting a U-bolt in your deck, it will take like 20 minutes, drill a couple of holes, put the U-bolt through, put the washers, put the nuts, tighten it, that's it. Oh, and the sealant as well. Uh, it will take much longer and it will take uh, at least one day because you have to wait for the epoxy or the polyester resin to cure. Right. So it's uh, more time consuming. But it, and sometimes boat yards don't even do that, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've, I've never, I'll be quite honest, I've been in quite a few boat yards and I've never seen them actually do that, <laughs> no matter how, how, uh, well, of course, I've never seen a swan build or some of the really expensive boats. Maybe they do it for those boats. But the boat yards I've been in, no, they put uh, sealant around it or butyl around it, but not uh, not going to the extent that you're talking about. Yes, this is the the correct way to do it, and this will avoid any is- any issues uh, if you get uh, a leaky uh, hole in your boat. This is this is a problem, and the boatyards don't do it because it's uh, it takes longer, it's more expensive, and they want to do it quick and charge the client, and and maybe they will charge the client again a few years later to repair the core deck. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so planned obsolescence. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's one issue. Okay. So. Cord materials should be uh, handled uh, as they should. And if you are 
refilling a hole in your uh, cord material. If the hole is big enough, like if it's not a, a small hole or a medium-sized hole, you should remove uh, the one of the laminate from one of the sides uh, around a larger area, replace the core, and then put some fiberglass on top of it. Okay, remember uh, the rule, if you see that you have two millimeters or three millimeters of fiberglass, go and buy fiberglass at your desired weight and uh, calculate how many layers you will need because it's usually, uh, I usually see people doing repairs quickly and it's like two layers of fiberglass, that's it. Uh, even if the surrounding laminate is two millimeters thick. And uh, the remaining will be just epoxy filler or polyester filler or whatever to fill the remaining uh, thickness, which is, uh, which is a bad repair, <laughs> a yeah. bad repair. Now, I've, I've got a picture up here, and I want to talk about this Nomex honeycomb. I found a, uh, a website with the pictures of the Nomex honeycomb. And so as yeah. I'm looking at this, you would put a layer of... Uh, of fiberglass and resin over the top of that. Wouldn't the resin seep into the holes and fill up the holes and tend to make it heavier? Yes and no. If you did it, if you did it like that, like you are saying, yes, the resin would fill the holes. And uh, the whole idea of having a very light uh, core would be lost. Uh, you need to pre-make both laminates, uh, let them cure, and then bond the laminates to the core. And the way you bond laminates to the core, you get a piece of plastic, you spread some resin on that plastic with a roller, you drop the honeycomb on top of that, the, only the, the, the edges of the honeycomb will touch so only the edges will get resin and you put the and then you lift it uh, and you put it turn it around do the same thing and then create the sandwich and by doing that you will only have added very little resin to your uh, nomex so does the plastic stay on then the, so, so the plastic no, 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 becomes you, the plastic is just the, the surface where you spread uh, resin uh, so that then you throw the plastic away. You drop the Nomex on top of that plastic that has some resin spread uh, on, on it, and then you lift the Nomex, turn it around, dip it again, and remove the Nomex from the plastic, and drop it on top of the pre-cured laminate, and then put the other laminate on top. You could, you could just get a roller and spread resin on your laminate, put the Nomex on top, then spread some resin on the other laminate, put that laminate on top of the Nomex, and uh, press, uh, press hard, and it, will, it, would it would cure, and it would bond. But then you would be having lots of resin uh, in the holes of the honeycomb, uh, just a layer but uh, still lots of resin that it's doing nothing. Okay. 
So it sounds gotcha. like like fairly advanced boat building at that point in time when you're starting to use Nomex. Yes, when you start using Nomex, uh, everything is very advanced. Usually you are using vacuum bagging techniques. Uh, the Nomex can be bent, especially if it's a thin uh, honeycomb structure. It can make some uh, tight radiuses. So, for instance, to make uh, a boom, uh, you would need to create the inner uh, layer of um, carbon fiber, uh, let it cure, and you would have a uh, roughly a cylinder of uh, because it's, it was more like a squarish, a rectangular shaped uh, with the, the, the corners rounded. But you would, you would have some, some shape, then put the Nomex around it, and then put the other layer uh, usually it's like two pieces, uh, and then maybe uh, wrap it around uh, that uh, with another few layers of uh, carbon fiber. So it's very time-consuming and very advanced, yes. Yeah, I can see where it's used for aircraft, because the prices are right up there at aircraft quality, too. The, pl the piece I'm looking uh, yes. at right, not right here is uh, 40 inches by 100 inches, 1.8 pound, I guess that's the, uh, I don't know what weight. that means, weight, is uh, and, basically $200 for one sheet. So it's, yes. uh, it's not inexpensive to work with. <laughs> no, 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 no. But there are other Anecom structures that are uh, cheaper. Uh, for instance, uh, I can get, I don't, I don't remember the material it's made of, but it's some kind of plastic uh, that doesn't melt with resins. Uh, and uh, one sheet of one, one meter by two meters or something, well, the size of a plywood sheet, a full plywood sheet, uh, it costs like 40 euros, uh, one centimeter thick. Okay, so less than a quarter of uh, what this is going for, so a lot less a lot yes. less expensive then. Okay. Yes, and you could take that one centimeter thick uh, honeycomb structure, make a bulkhead, for instance, and it would weight a fraction of uh, a plywood bulkhead, for example. Not that it matters in our boats, but it may matter in some... Uh, lighter boats right the racing uh, boats and yeah. racing boats yeah. yes 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 so uh are we still good on time oh yeah we're good and i've got to put a link to this web page i found on nomex and it also has a video on it as well i'll take a look at the video after we're done but let's see we're in it about 44 minutes we got about another 15 minutes we can go and let's keep okay. going okay okay let me just sip my gin tonic because my throat is getting dry <laughs> Not quite that time oh. for me here yet. By the way, I named this gin tonic Mad Sailor. Mad Sailor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, by the way, I was talking to Jack Andrews the other day, and he says he's really enjoying your uh, these episodes with you. He just bought a boat, and he's really uh, enjoying listening to these, so I wanted to share that with you. Oh, cool, cool. It's nice when people give positive feedback. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about larger repairs. And a larger repair, like I mentioned, one foot by one foot, you hit uh, something with your boat, 
and you opened uh, a hole. Usually this hole won't be pretty. Uh, by pretty, I mean the, the fibers will be all crazy and all frayed and some of the layers will delaminate and uh, it will be uh, a messy hole in your boat. Not uh, a good hole that you drill uh, to install a, a Yeah, they're, hole, they're, they're ugly. They are ugly, yeah. Yes, they are ugly. Fibers, fibers spreading all over and uh, delaminating. It's messy. And the the first thing to to repair one of such holes is to grind uh, as far out as you need uh, until you reach uh, good fiberglass. And by good fiberglass, I mean fiberglass that isn't delaminated. Fiberglass where the fibers aren't broken fiberglass where the fibers aren't frayed, okay? So that's the first step. You need to grind, get your angle grinder uh, and grind uh, as far out as you need until you reach solid, solid fiberglass. You know what I would do before I'd start grinding? I would just take a, uh, a saber saw or a sawzall and cut about uh, an, at least an inch around it to get a flat surface and then start grinding. Just, uh, just you can. Be- yeah, you can. just because I don't want to grind. I don't want any more dust in the air than I have to. I may as well get off about an inch of it before I go start grinding. Yes. Well, I don't have one of those. <laughs> I have my trusty Tashi angle grinder. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. But if you have a, uh, well, even a jigsaw would probably work. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. With the right blade. Yeah, I tell you, the blade, the, the fiberglass will chew up blades faster than anything I've ever seen. What is the mm-hmm. right? What have you found to be the best blades for cutting fiberglass? There are some blades specific for fiberglass. Uh, believe it or not, uh, I think Bosch makes uh, blades specific for fiberglass. If you don't have, or if you can't find, because usually you can't. Uh, a blade that is good for stainless steel will be good for fiberglass. It may not last as long, uh, but uh, or it may not saw as fast, but it will do the job. Okay, not a, a, a blade made for wood that will last uh, five seconds. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've, and, I've uh, burned I've through actually, a lot I've of them. Tried that. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried that. It lasted like five seconds, and then I looked. It was not sewing, and I looked, and, well, where are the teeth? <laughs> yeah. 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 Fiberglass is extremely abrasive on blades. It just yes. chews them up. And for that reason, thinking about it, it might be better just to use an angle grinder uh, at a 90 degree to the fiberglass to cut it off rather than trying to even use a uh, Yes, uh, you don't a need to saw. grind. Yeah. You don't need to grind. You just, you just need to cut, uh, and then... When you reach solid fiberglass, then you should grind some tapers, like we talked in the previous episode. Grind some tapers uh, from both the inside and the outside of the boat, uh, like uh, three inches, four inches, five, depending on the size of the hole, uh, of the hole. Uh, if your hole is like one foot by one foot, roughly, uh, three, feet, three inches will be, three, four inches will be okay. But if your hole is 
two feet by two feet, I would grind like six, seven, eight inches, maybe, uh, the taper, okay? And uh, making the, the, the middle paper thin, okay? Grinding for the inside and the outside. Okay, so you're making coming to tapers. basically a knife edge at the middle of the fiberglass. So you're going to be yes. fiberglassing on the outside, pushing in, and the inside pushing out then. Yes, creating some kind of hourglass uh, shape with the new fiberglass so that there, when, when there is some forces pushing or pulling uh, from the inside or the outside, uh, you will have support from both sides. Okay, this may be very tricky if the hole is behind the cabinet. <laughs> yeah, right. Then, uh, before you before you, you grind the tapers, you should find out the thickness of your hole. Uh, and the thickness of your hole will dictate how many layers of fiberglass you will need. Okay, this is very important. Uh, you don't want to put more layers than you need. You don't put. You don't want to put less because you will have to fill it with some filler to get to the correct thickness and uh, to even even out the repair. And it will be one point of the hull that will be thinner, basically, because it, it has uh, fewer layers of uh, fewer less thickness of fiberglass, so it will be weaker. So measure the thickness, then the rule, 100 grams per square meter is 0.1 millimeters, roughly. Make your math and, and uh, find out uh, how many layers you will need of what uh, weight of uh, fiberglass you will need. Okay, give me that rule okay. again. The rule is each 100 grams per square meter adds... 0.1 millimeter. Okay, because you said uh, 500 grams equals. If 0. you have, millimeter. if you usually you don't you don't use a hundred gram uh, glass in uh, boat building, uh, unless you are building a a, a very small uh, dinghy. Uh, usually you start at 300 grams. And that's point. Uh, that would be point. That would be point three. Okay. Yes, right. and that's by the way that's that's nine ounces. Okay. Right. The 300 grams is 9 ounces. So 9 ounces, 0.3 millimeters. So it's roughly one-tenth of an eighth of an inch. So, and this is good because if you had 10 layers of 9-ounce cloth, you will have roughly an eighth of an inch. Okay. I better never put okay. a hole in my boat because that would be one heck of a lot of fiberglass. <laughs> my... my uh... My my hull is at least a half an inch thick all around. It's it's heavy. Yeah. Yes, my uh, I drilled a couple of holes uh, for some through holes in my boat to drain the cockpit, and uh, the it it it's now uh, the drains for the cockpit are now below the waterline, and below the waterline it was fifteen millimeters thick. In that area, and uh, according to the to the designs of the architect that designed my boat, the area uh, around the keel 
is uh, an inch thick of fiberglass. Yeah, I still have all the cores that I drilled for my boat. They're they're hanging in my workshop on a wire, all strung together, and uh, <laughs> it's amazingly thick. The, my my boat fiberglass. Yes. In the the top sides on my boat are uh, around one centimeter, and uh, then it increases below the waterline, and then more so uh, in the keel. Okay, so then uh, you should you should ask yourself uh, what kind of fiberglass schedule. Am I going to use? Am I going to use matte? I don't think so. Am I going to use woven roving? Yes, probably. Am I going to use a combination of the two? Yes, quite possibly. So here you start you start using different materials for different layers. The reason is uh, one layer of matte adds thickness with uh, little strength. One layer of roving adds thickness with lots of strength. So you alternate between matte and roving uh, until you reach the desired thickness. And you're Usually gonna and, you're, and on a repair, you're gonna use epoxy, not polyester resin, right? Yes, preferably. Yeah. Yes, preferably. But uh, and and then there is the other rule. Uh, usually, you will aim for. Uh, 50% resin, 50% glass by weight. So uh, you measure the area that you need to replace uh, fiberglass. You calculate how many layers. You calculate uh, the thickness. You calculate what uh, weight of uh, glass you are going to use. And then you reach uh, uh, weight of your uh, glass you will use as much of resin. Sometimes if, if the repair is very large, uh, some guys in the boatyard that uh, keep my boat, they are repairing the whole transom of the boat. Uh, the whole transom took <laughs> several kilograms of resin and several kilograms of glass. If they are going to use epoxy resin, uh, it would be much more expensive because the, the epoxy resin is much more expensive. So they decided to use uh, polyester resin for that. So it's okay. Uh, it's not the best, but it's okay. And sometimes you need to keep with okay and not best. Okay. So then, you, but usually you will, you, you will only achieve that, um, 50% uh, 50 50 uh, ratio uh, if you are vacuum bagging otherwise you will have more resin than fiberglass because you won't be able to compress the fibers uh, well enough uh, when you are laminating and if you are not compressing the fibers well enough uh, there will be more space between each layer of fiberglass uh, which means there will be more resin. And in the, in the designs of my boat, the architect specified that uh, the expected maximum ratio would be 30% glass, 70% uh, resin by weight. Okay, that would be maximum. 
to to make that hole strong enough. Because if you had much more resin, like one thing is wetting out the fibers, the other thing is drowning the fibers. You want to wet out the fibers to a point where uh, the fibers are soaked in resin, but they are not drowning in resin. Okay, this this may be this may be difficult to understand at first and to experience, but there is one one trick I show people sometimes, uh, and it works really well. And the idea is that you lay several layers of uh, fiberglass and your resin, and then you take one layer of fiberglass. Uh, usually, it's don't wait until the last layer because you you may have uh, a bad experience. Uh, you get one layer of fiberglass and you lay it on top of the fresh laminate, uh, and you just press it down with your hands, uh, with gloves, of course. <laughs> press it down with your hands and press around, and usually you will see that. To wet out that layer, you didn't have to add more resin. The resin that was already there was enough to wet out that layer of glass. Yeah, I've always found that would be the case if I had like a layer of, of, of woven roving and then I could put the, the cloth right over it. Not woven roving, but I could put a, a layer of cloth over the top of that and it would pretty yeah. much be enough to, uh, to wet it out. Yes, and if you have too much resin, that like I've seen some people doing, uh, you may you may put another layer of roving. It will fully wet out, and you can even put sometimes another layer of roving, and it will be fully wet out. So that laminate was drowning in resin, completely. <laughs> okay, so this is this is very very easy uh, for someone doesn't know very well what he's doing. Do I need more resin? Do I need less resin? Uh, try this, and it will probably show you if you are uh, using too, many, too much resin uh, or too less resin. And sometimes I even do this myself uh, to be able to work faster. I drown the first few layers of uh, glass with resin, and then I put one, two, three layers of uh, glass on top of that and just press it with my hands. Sometimes use a roller to, to get rid of any air bubbles. Uh, and, uh, I, and then I put more glass, drown it, and put more glass without resin and press it with my hands. And uh, it enables me to work faster if you are careful enough not to get air bubbles big hair bubbles trapped within the laminate because that's bad yes okay now let me ask you a question Liz. we're about out of time on this on this episode okay. but uh you seem to have a heck of a lot of experience with fiberglass have you been uh moonlighting on other people's boats because this is a lot of uh yes. a lot of learning <laughs> you're doing on your own boat yes i i've been helping a few guys at the boat yard uh, and seeing some crazy things like seeing people mixing resin in old tuna cans and uh, tabbing 
retabbing the bulkheads using mat and uh, all crazy stuff. All crazy stuff. And I've been helping a few people fix their boats, yes. Okay, because you sound like a professional. Are you going to go into the business after you're done with this? Well, uh, today, today, no. Last week, and the guy phoned me today again. Last week, uh, one guy uh, asked me to paint his boat. And I said, well, sure, I have the compressor, I have the spray gun, uh, I have everything you need. Uh, just bring the paint and I'll spray it. And he said, well, but I also need to fill some areas because it's uneven. Okay, if you do that, I will pay. No, no, I, I really want you to do that because I've seen what you're doing in your boat and uh, I, I like the result. And I said, okay, show me, show me, what's, show me your boat and uh, show me the imperfections. And he showed me a bare aluminum hull <laughs> that had never been painted and uh, he wanted me to fare the entire hull, apply kilograms and kilograms and kilograms of filler uh, because it was very uneven. Uh, when they welded the, that hull, uh, they did a terrible job and uh, the welds are uh, very wavy and the, the, the aluminium heated so much that the, some entire panels uh, are uh, have dips of one centimeter between the welds, so it was bad. And I told him, "Well, I can't, I can't do this." Oh, yeah, your life's not think... long enough. You want to go sailing at some point in time, don't you? <laughs> I told him, "Well, I can't do this. Uh, it's too much work for me. Uh, I could spray your boat. Fine, it would be a weekend." Uh, but I can't do this. <laughs> he was very disappointed. <laughs> All right. Well, Lewis, what are we going to cover the next time? Because we didn't get through this full project yet. We're going to be continuing talking about filling, uh, repairing big cracks. Or do you think we've pretty much covered that? Because we still haven't talked we... about the finish yet work on it. Yes, well, for the next episode, uh, I think we've covered pretty much all the repairs uh, in what you do with glass and resins, but then uh, you will need to finish it, and by finishing, you you will need to apply some filler, uh, because if any, even if you use spill ply, uh, the surface won't be perfect, uh, the surface of the laminate. Uh, you will need to apply some filler, then you will have to sand. There are several techniques to sand uh, using the using uh, orbital sander, using a uh, longboard. Uh, there are several types of fillers that you may need to use. For instance, I can tell you I have five different types of fillers in my boat currently. And uh, then you will have to paint it. And also, we mentioned in the first episode, you may not want to paint it, you may want to apply gel coat again, because right. your boat, your boat, uh, you have a British... Bristol, the Bristol Channel Cutter. Bristol Channel yeah. Cutter. It's uh, still in gel coat, it's not It's still painted. in gel coat, right, yeah. Yes, so you may want to uh, refinish it with uh, uh, gel coat. And that's a completely different story. 
All right. So we're going to save that until the next episode. And I really appreciate you coming on. People are enjoying these episodes. So thank you so much, Lewis. It's 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 not the easiest job explaining uh, this kind of stuff uh, in audio. <laughs> no, it, you have to visualize it and try to explain yes. as carefully as you can uh, yes. with words what you'd normally show somebody by doing it and showing them. Yes. Yes. But yes. I think you're doing a great job, and I'm enjoying it. And I know thank other you. people are as well. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lewis. We'll talk again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was a great interview. I look forward to talking to Lewis again soon, and fin- and maybe we'll finish up this series of, of fiberglassing episodes. We'll take however many episodes it takes to really cover the subject, and I appreciate him volunteering to come on and teach us uh, about fiberglassing and resins and the tools, techniques involved in fiberglass repair. I learned a lot today. I wish I had taken the time when I was building my boat to... Uh, prepare the deck fittings like I should have and uh, maybe some point at some point in time I will take off my deck fittings and see how badly uh, the core is underneath and then I'll have a problem to deal with at that point in time hopefully I don't hopefully I bedded them down well enough I put a lot of I put tubes and tubes of 5200 down when I was installing the hardware on my boat uh, in fact, to the point, I'll give you a heads up on this because you uh, you will learn this yourself. I was working in an enclosed area, and I would be putting down bedding compound 5200, and I would I would be feeling really great. Uh, I would be working. There'd be music playing. I was very content. And, of course, when you put this down, most of the stuff, when you tighten down, the fitting squeezes out. And there's a technique that you need to, to remember. When you put fittings on a boat, you need to tighten them down slightly so that the 5200 oozes out. Let it cure, and then the next day finish tightening down those fittings. And hopefully not letting the screw turn on top to create even a better seal. If you just tighten them down to where all the 5200 oozes out, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not that great of a, of, a, of a bed. Now, the other technique is to use butyl, and I think from here on out I'm going to be using butyl putty as opposed to 5200 sealant because it's easier to work with. But to finish my story on 5200, 3M5200, the next day after I was, you know, usually I'd be working on my boat over the weekend, and on Monday and Tuesday I would have these terrible, terrible headaches. Finally I went to the doctor, and he said, well, what were you doing the day before? And I would tell him, so he looked up the, the chart on the compounds in 5200 from his medical sources. I'm not sure what he was looking at, but... But he said, okay, here's the problem. It's, it's one of the solvents in 5200 at the time, and I don't know if they've changed the formula since then. But is to, it is toluene, and toluene is a carcinogen, and it can give you vascular headaches. So once I found that out, whenever I was working with 5200, I either made sure it was very well ventilated or I would wear a respirator, uh, and I eliminated my follow-up headaches. Now, the downside of that is I wasn't quite as high while I was working on it, but I'll give up the, uh, 
the feelings of contentment. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give up that to avoid the miserable headaches I had the next day. So just a, just a heads up, if you're doing a lot of work with 5200, make sure it's well ventilated or wear respirators. All right. I like to get emails, comments, suggestions for future podcasts. I like to answer questions on the podcast. And I'd like you to sign up for my email list. And if you do, you can get eight of the 16 free lessons uh, for the basic keelboat certification, sailing, learn to sail, basic keelboat certifications. This is the first series of lessons to help you learn the terminology and techniques of sailing. I have three audio series, one for the ASA 101, the basic keelboat certification. Uh, The next one is uh, basic coastal cruising, and the third one is uh, bareboat cruising certification. I have three series of audio lessons to help you get the various ASA certifications, and uh, I've already talked about my cynicism about the ASA, but I won't talk about that right now. But anyway, if you want to sign up for the website, you get half of the first series of lessons for free. The way you get a hold of me is you use the contact form at the website or email me directly, franz1 at medsailor.com. Thank you for listening. Now get out there and go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future.